and I prefer doing residential projects mostly for that reason is because it's, it is very personal. It is very emotional and it's where, you know, this person, it's where all their dreams are. You know, they imagine having a family and kids and growing up. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Cheyenne Sagari about the profession of being an architect. Architecture has always been really fascinating to me because I don't think there's any job that requires you to use so much of both the left and the right side of your brain. And that's something that Cheyenne and I will talk about is the dichotomy of both being kind of an engineer, but at the same time being a really creative thinker to be an architect. Um, We'll also go over the best part about being an architect, how it has made Cheyenne a much more environmentally conscious person, and much, much more. So without further ado, here is Architect. Cheyenne, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I am so excited to interview you for two reasons. Do you know why? Uh, I can imagine. What do you think? (laughs) Why do you tell me? Because I'm so awesome. (laughs) So that is actually reason number one. So I... So for people that don't recognize your voice, you, because you sound alike as well. So you are the sister of Kian Sigari, who is uh, of fame from the professional dancer episode. And after I interviewed Kian, she's like, dude, you have to interview my sister. She is the coolest person that I know. <laughs> so like, I'm just excited to even know you now and have you here and I'm interview I'm super stoked you. to be here. She spoke so highly of you and your program sounded so awesome. I, I couldn't wait to come. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then the other reason is I, I really want to interview more women on the show. Okay. And when she said that you were an architect, I was like, that's so interesting because I imagine is, is architecture a field that's really kind of dominated by men? Uh, it, it still is. It's definitely changing. There's a lot more women, uh, entering the industry, especially my generation. Um, the firm I work at, I'm super fortunate. It's almost a 50-50 male-female um, ratio. But yeah, it's definitely sort of an old boys industry, uh, pretty hierarchical, kind of, if you want to imagine it, like a law firm in that same sort of vibe. And Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because architecture is this perfect blend of engineering and design. And a lot of the designers that I know are women because... They can think so, like, I feel like naturally think more creatively than a man does. And every engineer that I know is a man. And I feel like, yeah, for whatever reason, architecture skewed more that way towards men with the whole entire engineering side. But it makes sense that nowadays, I guess more women are getting in because I feel like nowadays, um, because of companies like Apple and stuff like that, the design has really been brought to the forefront of uh, just functional instead of things being just purely functional and everything. So, um, it makes more sense that you'd have more design focused people, you know, pouring into architecture. Yeah. Um, I agree with that to a degree, but if you take architecture back to what it really stems from, like, you know, pre Apple, you know, yeah. tech industry, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, you know, architecture, it's hard to even think pre-Apple, I you know, um, I mean, if you, you know, just walking around, old Europe or even look at some really ancient types of architecture, the aesthetic side of it 
was always, I think it's 50, 50. It's, it has to be able to stand and protect us, but it also has to be pretty. Yeah. And I think only in recent um, human society, did we start really leaving the whole, like not caring as much about what a building looked like? Yeah, that's true. And yeah, before that, I guess most of the workforce was just like back when design was more of a piece of it, it, the workforce was almost just entirely men anyways. And now we're coming into this time where women are part of the workforce and design is becoming important again. It's, I love that you bring that up because I bring that up all the time to people of just like, what the hell happened from like the late sixties to like the late nineties was just the, like, we're yeah. going to look back on that hundreds of years, uh, hundreds of years from now and think like, wow, we screwed up architecture. We screwed up clothing. We screwed up hairstyles. Like we just, screwed up the food industry. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's a interesting. Lot, a lot went wrong yeah. that time. Yeah. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to me about your journey then to get into, well, so how old are you? Uh, I'm 28. Okay. So you grew up during a time when we had pretty crummy architecture and when women were wearing shoulder pads and had (laughs) puffy hair. So with a lot of bad design all all over the place. So what (laughs) made you then decide to pursue architecture? Uh, well, my dad was a very, a very creative person. And so I feel like we lived in this bubble where actually we were surrounded with a lot of really good design. He always was rearranging the furniture in the house and he just had such a good eye. I feel like he always had design magazines and and he was an artist too. So uh, we were exposed to art and pretty things from a, a really early age. So I think some of it is genetic. I think I I got some from my dad, you yeah. know, just inherently naturally. It's something that I'm interested in. Was that your dad's career? Was he was an artist? Um, he actually was in the tech industry, but I think he should have been. I mean, he was definitely an artist at heart, yeah. and and he did some amazing work, um, in all sorts of media. And I really think he should have been an, an architect. Really, yeah. I think that would have been his perfect job. Um, but so yeah, I you know I think I got a lot of it from my parents, the household I grew up in, the school I went to was really heavy in the arts. So lots of wood shop and ceramics and fine art in the school. So, um, that was one thing. And I think, but the biggest thing was probably just from an early age, I've been traveling to Iran, which is where my parents are from. Um, so I think without really noticing it, I became very aware of different types of surroundings and environments and buildings from a really early age because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tehran, which is the city my parents are from, and the architecture there is very different than growing up in Los Gatos or San Jose, California. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, since I was one, I've been going there, and I think from a very, very early age, I became very aware of um, the built environment around me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just sorry. As a total side note, that's really interesting that you brought that up because two nights ago on Netflix, my fiance and I were watching the no reservations episode where Anthony Bourdain goes to Iran yeah, and he goes to terrain and, and a few other places in Iran. And it's so beautiful and so amazing there. And the culture is so, uh, was just so welcoming and nice. Yeah. And, and, and he wasn't necessarily expecting that. I'm sure a lot of viewers of the show wouldn't necessarily be expecting that. So he tried to like drive that home as the point. Yeah. And everyone that was there was kind of saying the same thing is like, you know, we kind of just want to be friends with America now and friends with the rest of the world. And it, yeah, I 
would urge anyone to watch that episode. It was wonderful. Yeah. And uh, what like a cool culture you belong to. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I think a lot of people don't know what to expect um, because it's not portrayed very well in the media. So people always ask me like, do they have like skyscrapers? Do they have cars? You know? and it's like, uh, yes, yeah. like, we have buildings, we have cars, we have uh, pretty architecture. So it's always a surprise for people to learn that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So talk a little bit more about when I guess it got more serious for you. Did you just straight out of high school decide I want to go into architecture and that was that? Earlier, actually, I was... Uh, well, since I was a little kid, I've been playing with Legos and building houses for my for my Barbies rather than playing actually with the Barbies. So yeah, for sure. there was that sort of um, foundation there. But uh, when I was 10, I was over at my best friend Jenny's house and her dad was a developer. And so he would, he would flip houses and he had to go on site on a construction site to check up on something. But because we were with him, he couldn't just leave us. We were 10. He took us with him. And I remember going on to this construction site. It was a resident. It was just a house, a single family house. And it was, you know, there were walls being knocked down and he walked us through it and he was explaining everything to me. And he was like, I'm going to, you know, add a bathroom here and I want to use this kind of tile and I'm going to, you know, add this here and, and move that. And I just blew my mind. And I, I just thought it was the coolest job ever. And I went home and I asked my mom, like, mom, what is Larry's job? And I described it to her and she just was like, oh, he's an architect, right? Even though he wasn't, he was just a, he was a developer, house flipper. And I, at that moment was like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an architect. And I did, I, I did it. That's so (laughs) So, cool. Yeah. So what is the process like for someone that wants to become an architect? Do you just need a four-year degree? Do you have to get a master's? Um, there are a few different ways. One is you can go to a five-year professional, uh, you can take the, you can get a five-year professional degree, which is from an American Institute of Architecture accredited architecture program. All right. (laughs) So that's a mouthful. Um, the AIA American Institute of Architecture is the sort of, what's the word for it? The the foundation or the, the, the place that approves all of the laws and rules and regulations about architecture in America. Okay. So if your university has an architecture program that is approved by them, it is considered a professional degree. It is a five-year undergrad program. And when you graduate, you have it and you can just sort of start working from there. Okay. The other option is to go to an unaccredited program, which is usually four years. And then you have to go and get a master's at another school or yeah. Does the master's have to be at a place that was accredited as well? I believe so. Okay. What, what is the cost, I guess, of, of each route? Like if a school is accredited for their architecture program, are you paying a premium for that? Um, you know, I don't think it's, it's actually more or less, you know, it just depends on the school that you're going to. I mean, there's Columbia, which is a private school, which is very expensive. They have an accredited program. And then there's Cal Poly, which is a state school, which is also accredited, but, um, you know, significantly less. And they are, they're all reputable and they have really good sort of names and they're known for different things across the country. Um, so yeah, just, you have to find the program that 
works what best for what, how you want to pursue architecture, which might be hard to do so early on in your career when you don't even know what the industry is going to be like. Cause architecture school is very different than working in architecture. So let's talk about that right now. What exactly is working in architecture? So many jobs, it's like you have this fanciful idea of what every single day is going to be like, and it's not quite like that. So what are the different things that you could be doing on any given day? Oh, well, um, well, starting with how it is in school, it's obviously a lot more fun. It's a lot more design oriented Mm -hmm. when you're actually in the real industry. I mean, this is something that I love about it is the life of a project. It starts with someone calls you and they're like, Hey, I have a house that I want to build or I want to remodel. Right? So the first thing is just sort of sales. You have to go, you have to meet with the client, talk to them, hear what it is that they want, see if it's a good match for you and then, and then close that deal. Okay. So once you've done that, then you start on schematic design, which is just question. Sort of, when you say, see if it's a good match for you, do you mean in terms of kind of the contractors <laughs> and people that you know and know if it's within the scope of what you can even provide? Yeah, it can be if it can be a very personal thing. Like if you think that you're going to work well together, because there's a, it is very important to have a good client architect relationship. Yeah. And, um, I've learned very quickly that if in the beginning, either party is hesitant about embarking on this journey with the other, just don't do it because you, you have to have such clear communication and trust and the ability to work together. A lot of times, um, I think clients feel like they own the architect because they're paying them. And I, sometimes I think the architect also feels like they're very indebted to the client, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's not just, okay, you're paying me. So I have to do this for you. It's, we're working together. You know, you have this idea, I'm going to help you realize it, but we have to work together and and it's not an ownership thing like that. So such a good point. Yeah. Um, so what was the original question? <laughs> oh, like what are the different things you'd be doing oh, on a day-to-day yeah, basis? So then, um, you know, for me, you know, when I come into the office, I'm working on a few different projects. It's all mostly on the computer right now for me. Um, a lot of AutoCAD drafting, drawing, technical drawings, construction documents. Um, and then a lot of times doing 3d models once the design has developed a little bit more and we're trying to get a better feel and show the client how it's going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of planning, a lot of emailing and coordinating with the team. There's not only, you know, landscape, there's landscape architects, there's interior designers, there's the construction team, the civil team, the septic team, the, um, you know, there's an arborist. There's so many different people that participate in the project and you have to coordinate with everyone. When you're in school, it's, that's so interesting. When you're in school, do they try to bring, are are they well aware of this and they're trying to bring someone from each one of these walks of life in to give you a talk for a day or something? Or do you get out and you have this really quick baptism by fire where it's like, well, now I know about tree planting and now I know about this and now I know about that. Right. There's only so much they can teach you in school. And I think that they, in school, they just try and teach you the really boiled down fundamental basics that you need to know in order to be able to even have a conversation about making a building. Um, you really can't learn about all these different things until you're on the job site because they're all going to be different. And each project is going to have a different team. I mean, maybe one project 
won't have an arborist. Maybe one project, you know, won't even have an interior designer. So they're all different. Um, and yeah, I think I've actually probably learned a lot more in the five years that I've graduated from college than I did in the five years that I studied architecture. Oh, of course. I think I probably learned more in the one month after I graduated college than the four years I was in college. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So obviously there's the design piece and, and working things out like that. Uh, anything else that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, you have to go to the planning department. Uh, we're working on a project in, uh, Sonoma and, the the codes are changing in Sonoma, so it's hard for us to know. Okay, are we allowed to have, you know, five bedrooms or six bedrooms? And uh, and yeah. and it gets down to detail. So we went to Sonoma Planning Department. We sat down. We're like, okay, break it down for us. What is allowed on this lot? You know, what if we did this? What if we did that? If we want to tweak it, you know, how can we make it work to fit what the client wants, but also meet the code? So yeah, there's. I that's what I like about my job. It's really different. Um, you really do different things every day. And sometimes it's more technical, sometimes more design. So, yeah, I mean, to, to each their own. And I'm sure some people really like the, um, uh, repetition and reliability of doing the same thing, but yeah, it's so refreshing and nice to have a lot of different facets to your job where you're doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I can get out of the office. I can go to the design center and pick out materials one day and then be down in Monterey on a totally raw site, you know, walking around in boots, trying to figure out like, okay, how are we going to, make this house sit on the land and you know, you're talking to all these different really cool professionals. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So if those are the different things that you're doing on a day to day basis, how as an architect, do you begin to set yourself apart? And like, what is, I guess the path to kind of success uh, as an architect? I think that the best way that I've seen so far in the industry is to get with a firm that you really like and work your way up in it and then eventually breaking off and starting your own thing. By that point, you've met a lot of people in the industry. A lot of people might join you from other firms or, you know, other walks of life, you know, from previous places that you've worked at. And that's fine. That's not, that's not really looked down upon in the industry. It's just sort of a the circle of life, I guess, of yeah, the, totally. of the industry and of projects. A lot of times there'll be a firm that will be absolutely killing it in a city. And then when the principal gets old and retires, it just sort of, it ebbs and flows. And then maybe that firm just sort of isn't as big as it used to be. And then someone might branch off and start another firm, which is sort of almost like a sister firm or it sort of carries on that same thing, but because they're younger, you know, they can sort of carry the torch. Is this your goal is to have your own firm one day? I'm not sure. I think I would like to be a partner somewhere eventually. I really, really love collaboration. Mm -hmm. So I just, I love working with someone to make something together. Yeah. So I would love if, yeah, I mean, I have friends who are doing some really cool things across the country and if from architecture school, and if one day we could all come back together and um, start something together. I think that would be very satisfying and, and really fun and um, I think pretty fruitful. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. What do you think is like the absolute best thing about your job that maybe you didn't necessarily think or know going into it when you chose it as a profession? Oh, man. Um, I think it is what I thought it was going to be when I was well, going that's in. Good, which is because you really wanted to do it. Yeah, it's just the the satisfaction that you get when you're helping someone create 
take their dream home into a, a, a habitable space. Yeah. It's so satisfying. And, and I prefer doing residential projects mostly for that reason is because it's, it is very personal. It is very emotional and it's where, you know, this person, it, it's where all their dreams are. You know, they imagine having a family and kids and growing up and, you know, they do all their Christmas dinners there. And, and you just imagine when you're building it with them, you know, you get to know them on such a personal level. They tell you, you know, oh, we need this big of a closet because I don't keep my socks with my underwear. I need like a separate, you know, I mean, you really <laughs> yeah, get to know the definitely. client and that's, it's really cool to be able to create a custom home for someone and have it just be exactly how they want it. And it's perfectly catered to their lifestyle. They're so comfortable and it's so personalized and unique and, and they really appreciate it. They really it's so them. Yeah. And I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Provi- yeah. That's so cool. It's funny. Everyone that I've interviewed so far on this show that has a, um, like a customer facing job, if you want to call it that, like that's always what they consider the best part of their yeah. job, you know, is that you have this real direct ability to impact someone's life in whatever way that may be. Yeah. You know, it's like, even if you're, um, the cashier at the grocery store. It's like you have this ability to treat people with a lot of respect and kindness and, you know, maybe make their day or, you know, whatever it is. But people always point to those things as the great thing and not like, Oh, well I have a 401k and it's great. You know? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Architecture is a service and, and it is in a lot of ways actually selfless for the architect because we have our great grand vision and design and, you know, the, we want to make a statement and everything. But at the end of the day, you, are there to give someone what they're asking for. And you try to give your best design advice and input and, and help create the best version of what they're imagining. But at the end of the day, they really do kind of call all the shots. You can recommend, you know, all you want. Like I I really recommend not doing nine arches there, but if they're like, we need to have nine arches, like, okay, yeah. And I'm going to freaking find a really cool way to do it for you. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be great. Yeah. Do you have any lessons that you've learned over the past like six or seven years that, that you think to yourself, like, man, I really wish that I could go back and kind of tell myself that before I started this. Um, yeah, there was one point very early on in my career where I was going through a really tough time, just a lot of hard things going on with the family. And, um, I, was extremely under a lot of pressure and stress. And I, I went rogue. I left architecture for a little bit because I felt like I'm not getting paid enough. And even though I was at a really great firm, a really great family owned firm, and they were really wonderful people who had such integrity with their business and with their design and their clients. And I feel like I was just a little bit too young to appreciate that and I left and I took some sales job for like nine months and I was miserable and I came back to architecture, but I guess I had to take that path in order to uh, realize that it is really what I want to do. So my is advice there, would be, sorry, question really quick. I don't mean to interrupt right okay. before the piece of advice, yeah. but is there any piece of sales as an architect? Like I know you said that once you meet a client that you're already, you know, you want to secure that job, right. but what about getting brand new clients? Is there any like cold calling and marketing in that regard? Um, in certain parts of the industry, yeah, you do, uh, have to submit a proposal or you have to submit a proposal no matter what, but you kind of bid on a project or you, 
apply. So I was working at a firm um, that did really large, more public buildings and um, buildings for schools. And when a university, for example, wants to build a new building on their campus, they have to post it and on the on like the AIA website. And all the firms who want to apply for that to be the architect on that project can do so. And then they eliminate and then they, you know, they decide finally who they want. Yeah. So, but for the industry I'm in now, which is residential stuff, it's mostly just a word of mouth. Yeah. You don't just call someone at their house and be like, Hey, <laughs> Hey, do you want to knock down that wall behind you right now? <laughs> I, I'm in your backyard. I yeah. just sort of jumped the fence and it looks like you can really use yeah. a new bay window. Like, Stop <laughs> calling me. You freaking weirdo. Yeah. So at different parts of the industry, it works differently. Okay. And I'm happy not to have to do that right now Yeah. <laughs> in the part that I'm in. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I apologize for interrupting. You were That's just okay. about to get to the advice that you or like, you know, the, the lesson advice, that you, yeah, it is, um, if you really like architecture, the industry can be really, it can be really cruel and you'll probably end up in a few firms where you're feeling really unsatisfied and or dissatisfied and feeling undervalued. And like, this is not what you imagine architecture to be. I would recommend sticking it out and staying with it because there are good firms and there are places that you can find a lot of happiness and a lot of value and satisfaction and just don't be jaded by how little you make because <laughs> yeah. you don't get paid very much. Interesting. So Stay that was one it. of my <laughs> questions later. I always figured architecture to be a, a field where you get a lot of money. So about how much can somebody expect to get paid during say their first five years versus maybe in their like mid thirties or something like that. Right. Um, I think that, I mean, the longer you stay, you really become very seasoned and you start getting, you become so much more valued. Um, but when you first start, I would say you can probably, well, depending where you are in the Correct. country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you can expect it's so funny because like every question that I ever ask anybody, they're always like, well, this is just for me or this is just, I, this. Know, I, and, I mean, that's obviously the case with yeah, anything, between you know? 30 to 60,000. Okay. I would say in the first five years. Yeah. It's a good range. And then what would you be looking at? Like if you were to stick with it, through to, you know, like your mid thirties or so, what, what's kind of like the prime for a lot of people's careers. Yeah. I think that you can get up to, um, probably like, again, also depending on what kind of firm you're at. Right. Like, so there's a lot of variety here, but I think you could probably make up to like 80 or 90. Okay. I think, but I mean, really, uh, where, where people think that architects make bank is the ones who own their own firm. And, uh, and they're sort of like the head principal or like the owner of the firm. Like those guys make a good amount of money. Yeah, for so, sure. But yeah, I mean, uh, if you work at a firm, you can live fine. I mean, even in San Francisco, you can. What but... is the pay structure like? Like if you're working at a firm, do, and people are referring directly to you or whatever, do you get a certain like percentage of what the total deal was or are they just paying you a salary and that's that? Well, um, so yeah, I get paid a salary. I have worked at places that just paid you hourly and that was a mess. I do not word of advice. If you are in the design industry and architecture, and if you're working somewhere that's paying you hourly, don't stay there for very long. Uh, stay there, put in your time, get the experience, but it's a stepping stone and and look for something that's going to pay you salary because, um, 
don't do hourly design work yeah. unless you're like a independent sort of contractor and you're, you're doing your own work and you're working with clients and then you're kind of clocking yeah. your own hours. And you could but, charge like two hundred dollars an hour and yeah, it's freaking great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, what was your question? Um, oh, how does the pay structure yeah. work? So I get salary and the way that it works is, you know, we build a client's, uh, sort of a blended hourly rate and then, yeah, you get a, and it's probably going to be usually three times like the expenses of the firm. This is really getting into it, but, and then they pay me um, a percentage. Yeah. Of, of that client's hourly rate. Yeah. So, yeah. And do you try to get your own referrals or is it basically just your, um, like the principle that you work for giving you deals and stuff? Um, the firm is always open to people bringing in new clients. So, um, if you, I mean, don't just send anyone their way, but if you, if you know someone who you think would be a good match for the firm and the type of work you're doing, um, then yeah, you can definitely make suggestions. And then some firms will give you like a added bonus if you bring in a client. Okay. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I guess that, that was my question. Like if people call and they say, you know, because of a referral of yours, like, Hey, uh, we really want Cheyenne to do something for us. Do you get more money for that than if your firm just says, Hey Cheyenne, we have a new client for you. You need to work on their thing right now. Oh, um, yeah. I think if I brought in a client, like if I were to talk to my boss and be like, Hey, I have a client for the firm and you know, bring them in. And if it goes through, then I'd get the bonus. I guess I'm not at that point yet where someone would call and request me. It's still- I'm going to call and request you. <laughs> Please do. And then I'm going to be like, wait, I have no money. I can't <laughs> oh, do anything. And I'll be like, okay, pro bono. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, do you have anybody that you are, are like trying to emulate or that's like a hero for you, like in the architecture industry? I really admire my current boss. Um, he is a very calm person, which I really appreciate. It's very easy as a boss at an architecture firm to become really frazzled and spread way too thin and just unable to, you know, make all of your appointments and and keep it together. So I I really admire my boss. Are there any celebrity architects that I really want to be like, or that I really love their work? Well, they're all dead. I really like Gaudi, but I mean, I'm not really trying to be gouty. You're not trying to be a dead person. <laughs> no, yeah, not yet. That's good. <laughs> so yeah, I guess you're just trying to do your own thing. Something might come to me. Yeah. I am. I'm, I like doing things my own way, so I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll see if, if someone pops in my brain, I'll circle back. Yeah. So I imagine that since you went down this path, uh, going for a walk around the city or something has completely changed. Um, are there any other aspects of your life that you feel like have changed because of the fact that you're an architect? Like, are you more analytical, more creative? Yeah, actually, um, I have become a lot more aware of the environment. I've become quite the environmentalist. I think since um, I started architecture school, I'm very lucky that university of Oregon was a really green focused program for architecture. I didn't, when I went, you know, I was 10 when I thought I want to build homes for people, but I didn't realize until my second year in college that buildings are like the biggest contributor to global warming. They're so energy inefficient. The materials that they use, um, are, you know, not good for the environment, the process to make them, they're being shipped from so far away. So I really got a global sort of perspective on things 
when I went to architecture school, realizing that, yeah, you might be making a home on just one site on a street in one city, but what you use in that home and the way that you design that home can have such a huge impact on the global environment. Yeah. You know, like being energy efficient, um, you know, not wasting just, there's so much, there's so much waste in the industry. So that is a really big thing that I've become really aware of. Yeah. And and now I, I can look at a building and see a lot of uh, inefficiencies and um, in terms of how it's been designed and stuff yeah. like that. So that's cool. I like that. Yeah, that's interesting. When I was in college, uh, some class that I took forced us, I mean, it wasn't architecture related at all. I was a business major, but they like drove us around in the city and like had us spend a day with the architecture program. And they showed us um, all of these different like half built houses using all these different materials and talked about like what the energy cost would be and this exactly. and that for no reason. And it's so eye opening to, like you said, learn uh, of just the incredible difference in, well, first of all, like cost to the actual owner, but then just cost to the environment and everything that you could have when building a home. And it's, it's really no difference to the person that ultimately moves into that home, you know, but well, actually it would be a really big difference. I think that the quality of their life would be better. They wouldn't have materials that are off gassing, you know, they'd be having probably better, um, daylighting. Uh, yeah. they could just live, Good I think point. a lot healthier and a lot more comfortably in their own home. If, um, they cared about these things a little more. And again, this is circling back something that was lost only in recent you know, sort of like human society, it, it like these things mattered very much with original architecture using resources that were readily available and, and made sense for the environment that you're in. Yeah, for sure. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You look at poor cultures in the country or third world countries and everyone's building properly and eating properly or or sustainably, I guess I should say, because there's no other option. Like you have to eat what comes from nearby because you can't afford to ship other stuff to you. And you know, you have to build with the materials that are going to be best for your environment. Yeah. That will help protect you against whatever elements are coming your way in, in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Mm -hmm. So why don't we leave off with, uh, just like a final grand word of advice for everyone. And, um, as well, if you could maybe like, a step one for somebody that either already has a career in design and is thinking, man, it might be really cool to get into architecture or somebody who's younger listening to this, like in high school, it's thinking, maybe I want to get started. What would step one for those people be? And just advice in general. Yeah, I would say, um, something that I think has been really helpful for me was when I was in high school, I was maybe 15 or 16. I started, um, having a desire to actually do something with my summers <laughs> instead of just sitting around the house doing nothing. And my parents, that's crazy. I know. <laughs> Nowadays it's like, Oh, uh, but my parents said they just had me start doing internships because I knew I wanted to do architecture. So they're like, okay, we'll go get an internship somewhere. And I started gophering and I didn't get paid, you know, on my first one. But, um, luckily I was able to, you know, get that experience in and, by the time I graduated college, every summer I was doing internships that actually started paying once I started college. And um, by the time I graduated, I had a really nice looking resume that had a lot of work experience at different types of firms. That's another thing I really recommend. If you're in architecture already and if you've gotten an internship somewhere, it can be really easy to keep on returning to that same firm. Yeah. 
That's one method. You can do that. You build a relationship and then maybe you'll get a job straight out of college. But I really liked having um, internships in different types of firms because you learn so much more about what you like, what you don't like in terms of not just the architecture, but the firm culture, Yeah. Uh, the kind of bosses you want, the kind of coworkers you want. And that's all really important, I think, and to have a really happy and long career is to give yourself as much diversity of experience as you can early on so that you know exactly what direction you want to go in uh, a little bit later on. It's that, That's my advice. Man, such good advice for any career at all. That's yeah. awesome. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Cheyenne, yeah. thank you so much. We really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Cheyenne and now at the very least know a little bit more about architecture. If you guys are enjoying the show, please feel free to follow me on either Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, where I always post updates about the episodes along with these cool photos for every single episode. Those photos and updates you can also find on my website, halfhourintern.com, along with show notes and links from things discussed in any of the episodes. Thank you so much for listening.